On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we're looking back at an ugly week 13, including one of the strangest, most wild NFL games ever played between the Bills and the Patriots. Patriots fans, including our own Bill Hughes, must be loving it. They absolutely stuck it to the Bills, and now as a Bills fan, you gotta ask what's next. This week on week 14, Coulter and I are running a two-man pick-and-roll give-and-go, throwing out some winners for week 14. There are some intriguing matchups, including two games that we think could be a final nail in the coffin. Spoiler alert, it's one of our coaches that we always have gone after on Double Down Trent. Listen to the bells, Matt Nagy, for the toll for thee. Stay tuned for episode 121 of Double Down Trent. Double down trick, you might want to tune in Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto Keep it authentic and it's always live So competitive, so you know it's always hype Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss Going all in here on Double Down Trent Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go This is Double Down Trent All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host, as always. Joining us tonight, our NFL insider, Coulter. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good. uh, You know, we're doing a little Stockton Malone here tonight. Uh, You know, just two-man pod, missing the boys, but uh, excited to talk a little week 14, review the past week and uh you know getting to some best bets absolutely man a little give and go a little pick and roll i don't know what you want to call it. it's funny there's only there's good basketball analogies i don't know what kind of football analogies we've got for a two-person what do you call it, like a, a check fade here <laughs> the montana rice maybe yeah montana rice i could dig that yeah well the two-man show i guess let's start and our, our patriots expert bill hughes is not joining us tonight he can't make it but let's start with that Patriots Bills game on Monday night. One of the strangest games I think we've ever seen. Not to mention just an absolute smackdown by the Patriots offensive line and that running game. I couldn't believe what I was watching. And obviously, you know, when there's heavy wins like that, it changes the game plan. But when you know they're going to run the ball every single time and the Patriots still ran it down their throats. You just cannot like what you're seeing if you're a Buffalo Bills fan. I mean, what did you take away from that game? Oh, yeah, that perfect summation there. Uh, from a Buffalo Bills pers- fan perspective, if that was my team, that's the absolute, and especially because it's New England um, that's doing it to you. I mean, it, if it was like the Jets, it would be one thing. But the fact that New England, your arch nemesis, is just running the ball down your throat like that. Uh, as a fan, if that was my team, that's the complete worst outcome. I, I would rather lose 56, nothing than 14 to 10 and have a team only throw the ball three times. And then basically, as you said, power of will just smash it down your throat for four straight quarters. I honestly would rather get blown out. Um, that, that is as, as demoralizing of a loss as a team can incur at home at this point in the season. Um, I, I don't really know where Buffalo goes from there. I mean, we'll get into this uh, with their game coming up against the Bucks, but they're one in four against teams with a winning record this year, straight up and against the spread. This is a team that's in peril right now. What are they, the seventh seed in the playoff picture if it started yep. today? They're yep. a preseason favorite to win the Super Bowl. Allen was at one point a front runner for the MVP. All of that has been uh, derailed, dislodged. 
Um, and again, they can get it back quickly. And I, I guess that would be the counter argument for the Bucks pick of this week. But man, it just doesn't seem like the, the Bills have it. And, uh, you know, you, you hear some of the post game stuff that McDermott and the players are now reacting to the McDermott comments. And it just seems like this might have been a team that got over ahead of its skis a little bit. They don't kind of like um, the Browns, you know, it's like you just haven't had success. And so it's like they get the success from last year and, you know, it kind of creates a tornado. And so there's a lot not to like there. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about them later. But, yeah, no, as a Bills fan, you just have to be disgusted by four straight quarters. I mean, team's third and 16 and they're running the football. I mean, what an insult. I mean, talk about giving you the middle finger if you're a uh, – the Patriots literally gave them the middle finger on that play. Third and 16, we're going to run the ball because, A, we don't want our quarterback throwing the win, and, B, we just don't really care. We don't think that you're going to come back. We don't think your offense is good. We don't think you're good. We're going to run it on third and 16. Fuck you. And they converted some of those long third down plays where they were just running the ball. I mean, they had a third down and a QB sneak, third and five. They were in a QB sneak, got four yards off the sneak, and then went for it on fourth down and converted it. I just don't understand how – Sean McDermott didn't make any adjustments. So if you're sitting there and you're watching this game, you're clearly seeing that Mac Jones is not throwing the football. I don't care if they're in the wind, with the wind. They are coming to pound you and just beat you just to a pulp. And they made no adjustments. I mean, every single play, it felt like they were running, they were pulling a guard, they were running a trap play, and just shoving it down their throat, and they made no adjustments. Finally, in the fourth quarter, it looked like they started bringing the safeties, like, literally. I was about to say – What's weird about it is you're right. They didn't adjust. They didn't adjust. And I'm sitting there like, why aren't they adjusting? And then finally the game at that point, it was like, it was out of hand almost. Yeah. And they, then they, right. Then they finally adjusted and were able to make a couple of key run stops to get the ball back and have that final possession, which they screwed up. But I mean, you're absolutely right. It took them literally until the back half of the fourth quarter to do anything different on defense. And then it worked, which made it even worse that they hadn't done that earlier in the game. Yeah. It just was so strange. But now it's too bad we don't have Hughes. The Patriots are back in their familiar spot, the number one seed in the AFC. It's going to be interesting because I still don't fully believe in them. Like, it's weird because eventually well, no, the, you know, the game was the ultimate cliffhanger. You know, it was like a, a two part episode of good TV, kind of like Succession. I don't know if you watched that on oh, Sunday night. But so, yeah. So, I mean, so the cliffhanger here isn't whether the Pats are good or whatnot. The Pats are good. The the cliffhanger actually is Mac Jones throwing the ball in inclement weather down. We didn't get to see that at all. And I'm very intrigued. January, first round of the playoffs, maybe the second round if they get the bye. I don't really know if that will happen or not. But, like, let's just say they get the bye and it's New England. They're hosting it and it's rain, sleet, crap weather. And let's just say they fall behind to – who knows, you know, name a team, Baltimore, Tennessee, um, that's in their place and they're behind seven to 10 points. What does that look like? Cause clearly based on the game script Monday night, um, and I'm not trying to insult Mac Jones or Belichick or McDaniels, those two have absolutely no fucking faith in Mac Jones throwing the ball in inclement weather, uh, based on what we saw. And again, that might've just been a Belichick mind fuck scheme or whatever, but I don't know. I, I, to me, it seems like, I'm very intrigued that that's the cliffhanger is in the playoffs in a bad weather game. If they're down even three points, what does it look like if they have to drive down the field in bad weather and pass the football? It's a great point because eventually your quarterback's going to have to make some plays and you're going to have to ride your quarterback to win the playoffs. I mean, you can't just run that same game plan against these teams in uh, even if it's a normal weather game, let alone a bad weather game, you're probably not going to get extreme wins like you got in that game. 
but you could get cold, rain, snow, all these kind of inclement weather games. And who knows what you're going to do. And, you know, we've seen Mac Jones make plays. And I, I mean, I, I don't want to put him down like you said. He's a, a very good quarterback, especially as a rookie. But when it comes to Oh, I'm time, intrigued by it. Like, I, yeah. I'm, I, I, honestly, I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if Mac Jones, in that situation I just spilled out, went 8 of 10 down the field and led them to a TD. I'm not saying yeah. he's incapable of it. I'm just saying that uh, McDaniels and Belichick kept the cards. They weren't just on the chest. The cards are in their pocket and probably in a lock safe somewhere. They really did not want to show the world what Jones looks like in that situation. No, I couldn't agree more. So we'll see. I ultimately, and this is a good transition, I think the the team that you're going to have to worry about is the Chiefs because the defense somehow yep. has shown up. And now the offense is like kind of dragging their feet a little bit, but you know they're going to get it right. I mean, it's Andy Reid, it's Mahomes. You can eventually, you know, make it through the season with a mediocre play from these guys. You know they're going to turn around. So if their defense is playing good, and all of a sudden their offense starts clicking again, then now you've got a really dangerous team. It's a good segue to your team. And I, I didn't want to say whose team is worse because let's be honest, I'm a Giants fan here, but let's start with the Chiefs-Broncos game. What'd you see from your boys? Because I, I got to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert from my take. That team just can't come back when they're down. I don't care if it's the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. As soon as they're down, the game is over. I mean, I can't watch Teddy Two Gloves just sludge it out and not come back. It's brutal to watch, dude. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, I mean, what is there to say? The team, you know, they still have not found the quarterback post Manning. It's infuriating. You know, for the longest time, I was a believer that, you know, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. But now it's like it's, we're in season six and it's like this is just ridiculous at this point, being a fan of this team. Um, we're entering, again, the sixth straight season where we're in December. Our logo, as me and my good buddy, our Bronco fans are saying, we haven't seen our logo in the playoff, you know, that little the <laughs> bracket the since Manning left. No, no, we've been in the oh. hunt, quote unquote, but no one takes any solace in the hunt. I'm talking about That's in true. the friggin' bracket. I want to be in the bracket. Yeah. I haven't seen my team do that in half a decade now, and I'm getting pretty fucking sick and tired of it being in December in my team. Uh, you're right, either being in, quote-unquote, the hunt, whatever that is, in the NFL in 2021, or just not even being in the picture. It, it, it's awful. Well, I will say silver lining, though. Javante Williams looks more real. I was just about to say, that was my one uh, – I have my new favorite player on the team, uh, and you're right, we don't have a quarterback. We can't come back, but I do take solace in the fact that we do have a potential lead back. And, and you know what? Gordon has played well, and I know I've said this on the podcast that he's a free agent – Honestly, I wouldn't mind giving him another one-year deal. I like that duo. I think, like, the line is starting to come together. We can run the football, as you saw. Um, it really just comes down to we can't throw. And then, you know, it's a stupid final. You know, Teddy throws that stupid pick six on fourth and two. Um, you know, someone needed to wake up Pat Shermer, your boy, uh, sure. and, and let him know that, hey, the Chiefs aren't a behemoth on offense. You know, we could have just – uh, punted there, kicked a field goal, any sort of situation. So we're throwing the ball in the middle of the field on fourth and two. Teddy's forcing it. And then, of course, it's a terrible throw. And then he doesn't go for the tackle again. And it, like the whole thing is a disaster. Um, but I mean, in terms of the spread, it's like I think we should have covered that game. It easily should have covered that game. I mean, all it took was punt the ball there, maybe get an extra field goal somewhere else. The game would have probably ended up 15 to, two, uh, to 12. I mean, we would have covered easily. Um, instead it's this 22, nine final and people are like, Oh, the Broncos stink. And it's like, well, it was a kind of close game. And, you know, the pick six kind of swung it incredibly. 
I was so pissed they didn't cover that game. I mean, there is opportunities all over the field. All over the place, yeah. They should have covered that easy, and that cost me, gave Hughes the, the championship in our uh, pool here for the week. So I was pissed off about that. And I was thinking of flipping that before, uh, too. And then I was like, you know, I can't do it. I've been saying that it's nine and a half. It's too many points. And I said it yeah. on the podcast as a best bet. And I do believe in the defense and, you, and all the things that like, came out. It's like the defense played well. You know, I, I really do think we play well against Mahomes, which is weird. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's you guys strange. Him up. And, I mean, but he, but yet he owns us. He's 12 and 0, I think, since he's been <laughs> in the league. It's like uh it's so infuriating or they're 12 and 0 against us i should say in the last six seasons well that was your key pick my key pick i really wanted it to be the miami dolphins but because of the line swung i just we thought it we all agreed on as a podcast as a gentlemanly podcast that we cannot make that as a key pick i was going to and say you know what i don't care if it's two and a half four and a half eight and a half ten and a half take the dolphins and lo and behold you should have because that team the New York football giants, I should say, are a joke. They've got Mike Glennon, whose neck is like a giraffe. I can't even stand looking at the guy. What are we doing? What are we doing? Let me run this by you, too. And this is, I think, the moment where I lost Joe Judge. I was really down on him. I'm thinking maybe for continuity's sake, maybe we shouldn't fire our third coach after his second year again and again and again. Let me run you through this here. It's 20 to 9. The Giants have the ball on Miami's 46-yard line. Fourth quarter, it's fourth and two. Joe Judge punts? What are we doing? What are we doing? It made no sense. And it's just like, when you watch this offense, there's nobody on offense. There's a couple of guys on defense. So, I mean, you know, all right. Some things to hang your hat on there. But it's the most pathetic thing I've ever seen in my life. And the fact that we're punting there, what do we have to lose? Go for it. Show some fucking balls. It's just infuriating. So that was my key pick. Now, we'll have more of the Giants later on in the night. I oh, I'm just going to say you're setting yourself up. I, I, the one thing about that fourth and two, I missed that. But, I mean, we went over it on the pod last week in excruciating fashion. If you can't – I mean, think of how much money and draft capital they've sunk into that offensive line and Barkley, obviously – if you can't pick up a fourth and two on the road in that situation in the fourth quarter with the, as much, uh, you know, capital you invested in your run game, you, I get you have a backup quarterback. Run it then. It's fourth and two. Run the ball. You have Barkley in an offensive line that you paid millions of dollars to and wasted first round, second round, and third round picks on. Run it, you know? Yep. Yep. And the worst part is, like, looking ahead, they're screwed in terms of cap space next year. So they're going to have to start cutting some like pretty decent, like anyone that's decent on their squad, they're going to have to cut because they have no cap room right now. They're projected to have $3 million in cap space. That's not even enough to do Jesus. your draft class. So there's going to be major, major changes next year and it's going to get ugly before it gets better. Uh, but I don't want to, we'll, we'll talk giants. Believe me. Uh, I do want to go to the game that you picked that we had big crossfire battles on here. And that was the Steelers and the Ravens game. You were all over Pittsburgh, and kudos to you, my friend. So what were you seeing in that game that gave you such confidence? Was it just the lack of faith in the Ravens? Uh, I think it was too many points. I think I'd said it on the podcast. And, I, I, you know, it's blasphemous to say Tomlin's Belichick or the or Steelers or the Patriots because it's the Patriots have just done so much more winning than the Steelers. But, like, at some point, the continuity of that team, the quarterback, the franchise – 
three and a half in a divisional game in December. It, it's just like it's a circle the wagon game for Pittsburgh, I felt. And uh, yeah, I mean, Baltimore's injuries, I, I flagged that on the podcast. I, I screamed it to the top of Mount Everest. They're, they're hurt. <laughs> and then what did they get? They got screwed in that game. So many injuries in their secondary that they ended up having to go for two on that uh, play at the end of the game because they, Harbaugh was afraid. And he's got Justin Tucker as his kicker. I mean, the Ravens should be the one team in the NFL that wants to go to overtime, right? And yeah. he was afraid to go to overtime because the injuries are so bad. So, I, I mean, that's what I saw. I saw a team a franchise, a quarterback, and a coach that should never be three and a half uh, against a division rival at home, even if they're horrible. And and trust me, I, I, knew, I do know that the Steelers are bad, but still three and a half is too much. And then, yeah, the Ravens injury thing were the other thing. And, and nobody was talking about it. Everyone was just saying Ravens, 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 Ravens. And it's like, well, look at their injury report. They have 10 guys out. Yeah. No, it was crazy. And I was watching the game and I thought when they went for two, I was like, oh, it's a ballsy call. They – they, you know, I didn't think it was a bad call, but I didn't realize that, you know, they, they were so banged up in the secondary that they would have no guys in, in overtime. So when you look at it, I mean, really, they could have won the game. They wouldn't have covered the spread there, but that ball went off his fingertips of, uh, of Mark Andrews. Oh, so, that was a great play call. I've yeah. been saying that to everybody all week. That was a, such a well-designed play. I, as a football fan, I actually hated, and I'm obviously rooting for the Steelers because of the triple crossfire, but like, I hated that he dropped it because it was such a well-designed play by Baltimore. Not that I, I really care who won the game, but like, yeah, as a football fan, it's like almost, you almost want to see that get caught because it was just such a, a great little place uh, there at the two-yard line. Yeah, and that matchup, I mean, that it's just always it's always entertaining. Even though the players are hurt this year, it means it's not quite the same. Maybe their teams are definitely down from years past, but it's always an even battle. Like, I think I saw something. My stats might be a little bit off here, but um, I think when they went head-to-head, Tomlin has like 16 wins and Harbaugh's got 14 or something like that. It is very close. So those two teams never disappoint, but sloppy game from the Ravens. Ultimately, you know, Pittsburgh's at home. They take advantage of that. The crowd was behind them. It's a tough place to play, especially when you're a division rival. I also think too, and, and this didn't even factor into the handicap, but now that it's happening not to do the 2020 vision, but like this, the Ravens have a great run scheme. So it's taken a, for granted the fact that they're on their fifth string running back Pittsburgh has the best rookie running back in the NFL and Ajay Harris yep. he's fresh legs he's out of college like this guy's a dynamic player Baltimore just doesn't have that and you could make the argument that they have Jackson and they have the scheme that's nice and all but like Freeman's playing bone on bone he's like Curtis Martin at this point in his, his career and Murray was always just a pounded guy up the middle he was never going to be explosive outside so it's like their options are actually a lot more limited than people realize. And, and the people that want to trash Lamar, it's like, let's just give the guy a break. I, w- I want to see what Lamar looks like with, uh, you know, a Najee Harris next to him at running back, because that team would absolutely roll on people. And we've seen them do that in the past. So, yeah. And it sucks that they're so beat up and hurt because I mean, that team would be pretty good this year and fun to watch, but I warned around. you guys at the injuries. I tried you're, banging you're that right. drill last week. Well, Let's turn the page, my friend. Let's look at week 14. Uh, I think last week, uh, did we all go one and one? I think maybe Hughes might have gone two and oh here. Uh, but we had a bunch of crossfires. So as far as I'm concerned, we're putting the week behind us. Why don't you lead us off here? Give us your first pick here in week 14. Yeah, we're going to write right to the crossfire well here because I know Bill's on the Bill is on the Bills at plus three and a half, and I'm on the Bucks at minus three and a half. Um, and just a word of caution to the listeners: the reason why this isn't the best bet for me is because of the hook. Um, I, you know, I would just say get the three as soon as you hear this because um, 
it's just the better number. And not that I think this is actually going to be even particularly close. I'm confident it won't be, but that's just a gambling principle that I have to say out loud because I abide by it. And that was kind of how I tiered my two picks this week was just the hook. All right. Anyways, for the handicap, um, we get Buffalo on short rest, traveling South, two different elements in two different settings, probably the most drastic switch up of environments that any team will go through this season between the cold wind and then the warm South. Um, Buffalo stinks against good teams. As I mentioned already, their offense is sputtering. Josh Allen can't handle the blitz at all. Uh, and enter Todd Bowles. He is going to be blitzing them. They're the fifth most blitz happy team in the NFL. They will be sending blitzes on first down, third down, second down, fourth down. They'll send him a blitz when he's on the sideline. Allen will not know how to handle that. Um, I think there's a psychological factor with Brady too. I think Allen's going to want to try to prove himself that he can beat the goat. He's going to force an interception. That is another best bet of the week. I love Josh Allen over interceptions. I, he will force one. I guarantee it. He is going to try to do the cock measuring contest with Brady and he's not <laughs> going to succeed. Um, and what else? Oh, right. Uh, Tredavious is white is out for the bills. And I know that's factored into the handicap, um, but it, let's just not, forget they're going to be scrambling trying to figure out how to contain Godwin Evans and Gronk again a week after not seeing any pass plays this is going to be weird for them they just lost their best corner went into a game didn't see any passes and now we're going to be facing I would argue the best trio of pass catchers in the league um, without their best corner Um, and Buffalo as we saw on Monday they can't stop the run I mean even if it's being telegraphed to them before the play they can't stop the run I have Fournette as the sixth uh, best back in the league right now Um, and I might even have him a spot too low. He's running really efficiently. The Tampa Bay line is clearing holes for him. He's hitting them better than he ever has in his career. He looks great. That adds another dimension to that offense. Uh, I see advantages on both sides of the ball. Um, and that reminds me about the running game, uh, before I toss it back to you, Kaz, the bills themselves can't run. I have a new principle for the listeners here. This is a finding principle of the Steve Coulter betting. Don't take a team that's singular on the road. And especially don't take them on the road against the Super Bowl champs and Tom Brady on the other sideline. And B- Buffalo is singular. They can only do one thing on offense, and that's pass. And they can't even do that at a successful rate if you look at their statistics this year. Uh, this team's a mess. I like Buffalo big. I like Tampa big here over Buffalo, 31-14. Give me Tampa. And give me the under. Actually, that's a little extra best bet for the listeners. I actually Ooh. really like the under in this game. I, I like Tampa's defense to clamp down. Buffalo's offense is just in peril. As I said, this team just has no offensive identity, in my opinion. Yeah, I I am in our pool sitting on the bills. I don't know why. I'll give you one of my tenets of gambling, and I've said this before. A good team off a bad loss is always a good bet. But the more I'm watching this Bills team, I don't know if they're a good team or not. I mean, we already talked about how they just got dominated by the Patriots, right? So now... If you're the Bucs, why wouldn't you have a similar offensive run game plan? Just pound it with Fournette, right? We've seen them do that. And then you still have Brady in this offensive juggernaut that you can uh, exploit their, their hurt secondary. So I don't really know why I'm on <laughs> the Bills That's right why now. I like I like the under because I think Tampa will do a run first. Um, if All Tampa needs to do is get out to a seven-point lead. They'll just run the ball. I think they'll run the clock. And as I said about the turnover thing, it's like, all I need as an under better is a long Buffalo drive that ends in a Josh Allen pick in the end zone. And I can totally see that. I can totally see that happening here. Yeah. And the over under right now is sitting at 53 and a half. So, I mean, that's a big number. Oh, it's gigantic. Um, yeah. Gigantic number. 
But I think too, and I think one of this, the the reasons why I was sitting on the Bills is that I wasn't blown away by the Bucks against the Falcons, but they for whatever reason they always play weird in Atlanta. Something's always going on. I know they ended up covering that game. It was because they ugly covered win. the game on the road with a pick six. They should have won the game thirty to ten. I know, I know. It was an ugly, weird game, but you know something about them. So I don't know. I'm not going to crossfire this, and I end up probably will switch my pick to the Bucks. Uh, but as you said. Hughes has this as his key pick, not even just his first pick. This is his key pick. He feels that confident. So that's a natural crossfire right off the bat. I would love to know what he saw on Monday night that made him think Buffalo is all the sides this week is the best side. I mean, I, 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 I get why you could get over there because the, the of the hook, as I started out with, you know, I could see a, the back door being open, right? You know, I could see a 10-point game where Allen throws a TD late and then all of a sudden it's three and I lose because of the hook. And that's why I'm preaching to get the three for the, the betters. Um, but I don't, I don't even see that happening. I really don't. I see yeah. a, a Bills team that's going to try to overcompensate through the air. They can't run. I hate the fact that they can't run. Like, I actually don't like the Bills because they can't run the football. I think that's like, it's just, they're so imbalanced. Yeah, so, it's yeah, a major problem. I think, did Josh Allen, I think he led their team in rushing last week too, which is just, you know. He needs can't to be that. able to do more of that too. And I feel like they were reluctant to do it for whatever reason. And it's like, this is the, this is your season. You know, you lose this game, you're the seventh seed. And that look, they're the seventh seed. It's like, you should have ran them more, in my opinion. Yeah. To win the way that it is. He's a huge player. He's 6'6". Yeah. He's a beast. So that's going to be an interesting one. I'll probably flip on Sunday morning. So you, you made a very convincing case for the Bucks there. So well done, Coulter. All right, for my first pick, I'm going back to the well. I got a win with them last week, and I'm going to stick with them this week. I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals minus two and a half at home against the Rams. I think these are teams going in different directions. We've seen the Rams struggling. Ultimately, Stafford's hurt, let's be honest. It's his back, his knee, his finger. The guy is banged up, and their offense does not look the same. But this is not so much a uh, negative on the Rams, this is a positive on the Cardinals. I mean, this team looks for real. Everything I'm seeing from them is saying this is a Super Bowl contending team. It sucks they lost T, uh, J.J. Watt because that defense is still clicking. They've got some serious playmakers on offense. We saw them just toy around with the, the Bears last week. I mean, it wasn't even fair. They got four interceptions off of Andy Dalton, and I know that's a very low bar to set is when you start seeing how your defense did while playing Andy Dalton. But they've got pass rushers. They've got secondary guys. Byron Murphy, I love him as cornerback. He is one of the most underrated corners in the league. I think he's going to be able to step up, maybe not completely shut down Cooper Cup, but he's going to be able to slow them down a little bit here. So I really like this team going the opposite direction. So give me the Cardinals minus two and a half at home. What do you think? I like that it's at home and they're, they're under the three. I think they are the better team on defense. I think they're the better team on special teams. I'm a little intrigued to see what that offense looks like against the Rams defense. Cause I think you get three blue chippers with uh, Donald uh, Miller and Ramsey. And that's something that I don't think Arizona has seen uh, since the last time they played the Rams. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm actually intrigued to see how Kyler handles that Um and that will be actually where my eyes are going to be drawn to is the the Cliff Kingsbury Arizona offense versus that um, Rams D. I'm I'm intrigued by that one. But yeah, as, as you said, Arizona's D is playing great. Uh, I like them going against Stafford. I like them. You just said it. If they shut down a Cup, I feel like the Rams offense can't go anywhere because they can't run either, just like the Bills. So yeah, I'm yep. I'm on Arizona in the pool. Uh, 
you know, you just identified probably, and I just went all in against the Bills. I could do a huge anti-Rams rant. I can't stand the fact that this team can't run the football, um, at least not consistently. Probably a little bit better than Buffalo, I should say. Um, but yeah, no, I like I like Arizona here. Um, I think I think they realize at this point in the season that they really have the inside track to the number one seed and that's motivation for them and motivation enough for me as a better is like, this is a team. I think that's like, they're kind of seeing it now after they just beat down Chicago on the road. Um, like this is our conference. We can get the bye week This is really happening. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, the Rams are one dimensional, but it seems like they're one dimensional by choice. I mean, when they were rolling and everyone was taunting them up and, and you know, saying they were going to be the one seed, all of a sudden, their offense kind of just shifted, and they threw it every single time. I mean, Darrell Henderson's not a bad running back. They've got the ability to do it. It just seems like Sean McVay can't get out of his way sometimes with the play calling that he wants to get super creative and, like, prove that he's this offensive genius. And then all of a sudden, they're throwing the ball 50 times a game. And Stafford's clearly hurt. So I think that's going to be just a huge detriment to them and that that offense just can't get clicked yeah, there's an ego thing with McVeigh that I don't necessarily love. I, I do like the Rams, what they've accumulated. Um, I just don't like the way that it's, I guess, coming out on the opposite end of that <laughs> accumulation. So, uh, yeah, I like Arizona. The one other thing, too, about this line being so small, and I'm intrigued. I don't know um, if we have any data on this or maybe we could deep dive off the pod. But, like, I can't help but think that it was a three-point game and they're giving the Rams a a half point because they covered against Jacksonville or they're afraid that the public will pound them because they covered against Jacksonville. And I'm throwing that game entirely out. I don't care. They covered. I don't care that they won by 30. Uh, And I certainly wouldn't factor that into the line. And I'm just wondering if that was factored in at all. Like maybe it's like a public insurance. Like if it was at three, they were worried that people would pound the Rams. So they made it two and a half or something lighter, you know, it's possible because they beat up on the Jaguars, which is to me, I, that's enough reason for me to go on Arizona. Yeah. Bananas. You can't put any, any credence into what happens when you play Jacksonville. It's just the ultimate get right team right now. Our boy urban. Uh, Okay. So Hughes, he, we already went over his, his key pick. He's on the bills. His first pick is also my key pick. And that is, the Los Angeles do, do, yeah, I was going to say, do this one together because I'll, yeah. I'll bring us home on the, my last yeah. one, which is a double-down trend special. So Yeah, let's just lump it in here. It, the Chargers are a 10.5-point favorite. And I went on my rant earlier how the Dolphins should have been a 2, 4, 6, 10. I don't care what that number was. You bet them. It's the same for me this week. I don't care what this number is. How are the Giants going to score? They put up nine points against Miami. Miami's got a decent defense. San Diego has a much better defense. And you know what they have that Miami does not have? A pass rush. And you know what the Giants' offensive line sucks at? Everything. So there's a chance that Mike Lennon starts again. He's in concussion protocol. But the more likely scenario here is Jake Fromm, the Georgia phenom. Who's not very mobile either. He's a city duck. I mean, not that Glennon Glennon is either. Glennon's not either. But Daniel Jones at least can get out of the pocket here, right? You know what why don't we do a little sidebar too? Cause I know we wanted to talk about him. Why don't the giants have Taylor Heineke as their backup? I feel like he is the perfect Daniel Jones backup. He can get yeah. out of the pocket. He can move. That's your, your whole offense is predicated on the quarterback being able to move. I mean, I saw it firsthand in that opening game against the Broncos. Your offense was lifeless. The only good part of that offense was Daniel Jones being able to move with his legs. Like you need to have a backup who's mobile. Like I don't understand why they went after Glenn. He's a duck. It makes no sense. We know exactly what Mike Glennon is. 
And every team, you should have a backup quarterback that can do similar things as your starter. It just Amen. makes perfect Amen. sense. If your yeah. starter goes down, you put your backup in, and he can run the same offense. Now with Mike Glennon and potentially from, you got a statue back there. And I just don't see how either of those guys are going to score points. Now, I know San Diego, or San Diego, that's just a habit. Los Angeles, I know they got some COVID coming through here. They've got maybe Keenan Allen's out, maybe Mike Williams is out. But guess what? I don't care even if those guys are out. They still have 10 other guys that are better than anyone's on the Giants roster. Let me just run you through this. Because unless these guys get COVID too, it doesn't matter. Give me Herbert. Give me Bosa. Give me Derwin James, Eckler, Kenneth Murray. Oh, and Rashawn Slater. Ever hear of him? The offensive tackle rookie who's probably going to be a pro bowler, maybe even an all-pro guy that the Giants could have drafted to fix their offensive line, but said, nah, we're good. Emma. We drafted we Andrew Thomas last year. It's good. Yeah, and we got Matt Pert. So really, unless those guys are out, I mean, I, I think this is a route. And I was looking at this number, and I, you know, I know I said this with Miami last week. I wanted to know what that number would be big enough to set for me to maybe take the Giants in this. And I don't even know if 17 and a half is big enough for me to take it. So I might get a little creative and find some alternate lines here in this, in this gambling universe that we live in and see what kind of odds I can get back on a 17 and a half point spread for the Chargers to cover because there's going to be no points from the offense from the New York Giants. And I don't get it. So that's my key pick. It's Hughes' first pick. I love to see where you stand on that. If you're going against me, I'm going to call you crazy. It is so funny that you and I have the exact same sentiment with our key pick because I have already been looking at derivatives for mine uh, for bigger spreads. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would go all in on the Chargers minus 17 just because of the receiver thing, but I mean, I'm certainly on them in the pool. Um, you highlighted the main point of my handicap for this game is just the Chargers have more blue chip guys. Yep. Um, and, and quite frankly, like we also talked about it briefly at the top is that I don't know if Judge is going to be the coach next year, which I really don't like. Um, so, I mean, you add in the lack of talent and the coach potentially up in the arms. They've already fired the offensive coordinator, the third-string quarterback, Barkley's injury history. Um, you know, you identified Slater. Lindsley's on the offensive line. I don't think they get any pressure on Herbert in this game. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's Chargers for me. No way I'm taking Giants. I'm a little hesitant on the big number just because of the uh, COVID stuff that's running through their receiver room. Yeah, and that's fair. I'm just a little negative. But, like, for me, I watched them beat a really good Bengals team, in my opinion. I think that Bengals team is good, and their defense— On the road, too. It on the road. Camp. And they jumped out to a huge lead. So, I mean, they realistically could have covered a big number against the Bengals. But the Bengals are a very good team. They've got Joe Burrow, and they've got weapons. So they kind of, you know, came back in that game. If that happens to the Giants, and they're down 24 nothing, are they coming back from a big number? I don't even think they're going to put up 10. So this is, I could see this problem. game being that I could see the game being 24, nothing final. Yeah, I, I really could. Um, the, the one thing I don't love about the Chargers, And again, this goes into the big number, not the 10 and a half, because I'm definitely taking the Chargers. They have a short week chiefs on Thursday night. So a little bit of a look ahead. That would Ooh, be the a look thing. ahead game. That's possible. Yeah. That's possible. I not, not on the spread. I mean, Chargers are definitely the side. I, I'm yeah, just yeah. trying to talk you out of the minus 17. That's <laughs> no, fair. That's fair. But, like, also, my point with the Giants, too, right now is, like, why even start Mike Glennon? Like, the guy's bounced around the league for eight, ten years. He's a journeyman. And I'm not saying Jake Fromm is going to be a stud, but, like, maybe he's your backup next year or a couple of years, right? And I know that's different from what I just said, but I think Daniel Jones, it's 
very problematic. He, they're saying, you know, week to week with a neck injury. I'm hearing that this is like a pretty significant neck injury and he's done for the year. Look at Chris Carson for Seattle. He had a neck injury. They were saying week to week, Pete Carroll was giving the reporters their BS. Cause I remember I was following I had Alex Collins, the backup in fantasy. Pete Carroll had the audacity to tell reporters one Monday. Oh yeah. Yeah. Carson will play on Sunday after he just missed two weeks with a neck injury. Sure enough, he's on the IR the following week. It's like, dude, yep. these neck injuries are serious, especially if it's a running back or a quarterback, you know? I mean, the, the Giants saw uh, – this was probably like eight or ten – eight years ago, maybe. They drafted David Wilson running back in the first round. Right. Neck injuries had to retire. So, like, I'm not saying that's going to happen with Daniel Jones, but he, I'm pretty sure he's not going to play the rest of the season. Why don't you see if Jake Fromm is any good? See if he can at least be your backup next year and go out there and see what happens. Uh, my guess is that Judge is fighting for his job and maybe doesn't think that's the best way to compete, but, like – it's just so frustrating. There's just so much that they got to do to rebuild. So I'm just, I'm so down on them. So that was another big giants rain. I apologize. So why don't you take it away here, pal, with your key pick. Hopefully it's a little bit more encouraging than the New York football giants. Yeah. You guys are not going to be happy about this because you tried to jump a week early on the NFL's 2021 dead team. You were trying to proclaim Pittsburgh is dead. <laughs> tisk, tisk, tisk. You're incorrect. It's the Chicago Bears, and the apocalypse is coming at Lambeau Field on Sunday night football. My best bet's the Packers minus 12 and a half. Matt Nagy will be fired Monday morning. I can see it now. This team has quit on him after losing at home to the warm-blooded Cardinals, as we just mentioned. That was a perfect spot for them. Ten days rest at home, bad conditions, perfect shot for an upset, and they just laid a friggin' egg. And I know Dalton threw picks early on, and they got in the hole, but, man, just a terrible game from Chicago. Uh, the owners are going to see it's futile to keep him any longer after this one. He's going to be fired. This is a coaching mismatch, too, and you know that I love that. I can't ignore it, and that's why it's my best bet here. LaFleur wins, Nagy loses. Sometimes chemistry is just that base. It really does not have to be any more complicated. LaFleur is the most winning coach against the spread, and straight up in the last two years, Nagy is one of the worst in the league. LaFleur wins. I mean, this guy knows how to coach games, and he's not going to let up. Uh, this is a home field advantage mismatch, too. Green Bay has the best home field in the NFL. They're 5-0 and this season against the spread at home. This is a dominant home team. Uh, and you don't think they're going to be coming full bore off the bye week with their rivals in town after Rodgers said he owned the Bears earlier this season? <laughs> Trust me right now, mark my words, the Packers are just as motivated, if not more motivated, by Rodgers' words than the Bears are. Trust me. You don't think that they want to back up what he said? You think that they don't think that Chicago is going to try to go in there and, and try to, you know, cause a, a fight maybe? Maybe try to fight them and get in their, under their thing? The Packers know exactly what the Bears are going to try to do here. This is a team that owns them. Rodgers said it for a reason. Owns them. Uh, you just don't say that and come out the next time and play unprepared from the start. The Packers are going to, from the very jump of this game, they're going to be ready to go from the opening whistle. I guarantee it. And that's going to be the story here. Once Justin Fields is behind, it's going to get harder and harder for Chicago to keep up. I see a snowball effect here. Um, I'm not going to throw out any stats or anything like that. I'm just going to go with my intuition. This is the end of the road for Matt Nagy. We've been waiting for it for three and a half years now, and I'm not going to sit on the sideline and watch this one pass me by. This is one of my enemies in football. I want to see him go down in flames. I'm jumping on the pile and adding my weight on for fun. Packers 41, Bears 14. Let's go. There is no way I'm cross-firing that. And I completely agree. I almost had that as my key pick. It's just talk about two teams going in different directions. I mean, it just couldn't be further. When you as a quarterback shout to the Bears fans, 
I own you. I've owned you my whole fucking life. I still own you. That, I mean, how do you come back from that? I just don't know. It was just one of the most cold-blooded things I have heard from a a player shouting. I I heard a podcast earlier this week that said the Bears are going to be the most motivated team this week, and that was why this this guy, he said the Bears were his favorite side this week because of what Roger said, and I immediately was just like, Nope, I played football. I know this way too well. The Packers are the more motivated team. They are going to prove they want to. You think they're going to want to get stuck up by the Bears after Rodgers said he owned them? They don't want to do that. They want to own the Bears. They want to prove what Rodgers said is truth again. They're not going to let the Bears walk over them in Lambeau Field. Are you kidding me? And they're coming off a bye, right? Packers are coming off a bye. The Bears are coming off the worst loss in the Matt Nagy era, in my opinion. They had I a watched. fucking perfect spot to beat the Cardinals weather-wise last week. And Hurt Kyler. The Cardinals with Hurt Kyler are not good. It was such a good spot for them to upset. I could not believe the Bears didn't show up more. I watched the majority of that game because I actually bet the under in that Bears-Cardinals game because of the weather, Ooh, 45 and a half. Brutal. And fucking Andy Dalton and Matt Nagy just right. couldn't get out of their own way. Yep. And that, that bet should have covered, but that team is so bad. I think you're right. I mean, you know, the Bears fans might get up for this game, but – Guess what? The Packers on the field are just going to steamroll the Bears. They're not getting up from this game. They're booing and wanting Matt Nagy fired at Bulls games, at high school basketball games. Fair point. At, at Illinois Illini. You know how far away the University of Illinois is from <laughs> Chicago? It's two and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. And they're chanting fire Nagy up there. I mean, this is not a fan base that's up, up for this game at all. They, they're owned by Rodgers. <laughs> they're literally they're psychologically twisted by Rodgers right now. This is – uh, this is a home run spot. I, one more thing about LaFleur, too, is what do we know about this year's Packers team? They handled the Rodgers hurricane. Bakhtiari, out for season, or out for first six weeks. They adjusted. Their offensive line's playing better without Bakhtiari. They're better without Corey Lindsley. This is a team that adjusts. They play better when they're, when injuries happen. The Bears are the complete opposite. They're injured. They keep losing players. They keep getting worse. Nagy can't make adjustments. Nagy can't find the solutions. LaFleur constantly throughout his career has found solution after solution after solution. That's what makes him a good coach. Nagy has never done that. And that's what makes him a bad coach. I couldn't agree more. It's just a, uh, it's a huge mismatch here and the Packers are getting healthy too. In a way, I think they're getting some guy like Jair Alexander, I think is coming back. I mean, they're starting to get some guys back on defense too. Yeah, this is going to get ugly. My friend, uh, I do want to report back. We did hear a little bit from our friend, Bill Hughes. He was able to jump in on our text chain. We both said, what the hell are you doing here? You asked him. You love to get some thoughts. Here's his response. It's brief, but it's a response. Hungry dog runs faster. Bills need a win. I think they're embarrassed and will bounce back. Tampa's defense is suspect. All good points. All good fair points. points, but fair points, but I don't know. I don't know. You I think I think the Bills case. over I think their overzealousness is what like I guess that's baked into my handicap. Like I really do think Hughes is not wrong. I think they are going to be hungry, but I think that's going to end up being their downfall. It's like, I feel like they're going to end up blitzing Brady too much. and He's going to pick them apart. And Allen's going to try to do the big dick. I'm going to go down the field thing. And I just see that being not great. I feel like their aggressiveness is actually going to work against them in this game. Yeah. Uh, I want to get your opinion. Cause I put a little early money down on week 14. Once these lines came out here. So I got a couple extras that I threw down here. Uh, I'm back on, you convinced me. Dead team, maybe not so fast, my friend. I'm going to Lee Corso, not so fast. I got the Steelers plus three tomorrow night. 
against the Vikings. And then I also took a crazy, crazy flyer on the Jets plus five and a half. I advise nobody to ever bet on the Jets, but I, I'm doing it. I'm betting against Taysom Hill. What do you think about those two picks? <sighs> I like the, I like the Steelers one because it's a night game with Kirk Cousins, and there's the Zimmer factor that he could be on his way out. You got to go against them there, and I feel like the Steelers are hungry. Um, there, there's just a bunch of factors where I like the Steelers. They're you know the injuries to the Vikings defense, even they're getting Peterson back. Like I don't think that's going to make a difference. I think Deontay Johnson's a stud. Uh, Thielen's out for the Vikings. So I mean, all the there's a lot of factors that go into that one. I, I would just take the points um, on the Steelers. And then so for the Jets one, it's so <laughs> tough because I, I do agree that Hill is a really bad NFL quarterback and that's a problem. However, uh, I, I said this to you guys last week. I, I think Saul is just kind of a fraudulent defensive mastermind. If you want to put that in quotations, like I just don't think he has the answers on defense or maybe they're just not good or talented enough, but I, you're going to really take this Jets team over Sean Payton and the infrastructure that the Saints have. They're such a more talented team. They're max motivated to try to win this game. I mean, they have to know that this is the easiest game left on their schedule. And if they win it, they're right back in the playoff hunt. Um, and then the other thing is, like, where's the point of pride at some point for Hill, right? He's making, like, $10 million a year. He's got to be more of a factor in the game in a positive way than he was against Dallas. Um, and the other thing, too, is they were playing from behind that game, which is not good for Hill. Do you really trust the Jets to put the Saints in that spot? Because if you do, then maybe it's a great handicap. Because you're right, maybe the snowball effect I was just saying about Justin Fields uh, in Lambeau factors in with Hill. What if the Jets are up 10-7 to and or 10-3 and Hill has to start throwing the ball and he's throwing picks left and right again? Then you might have yourself uh, not only a winning uh, spread bet, but a winning money line bet. Um, I see it going the other way, though. I think Saints control the tempo. Saints control the pace. Um, Peyton's too smart. Uh, to, to, you know, the, team, the team's not going to overlook the Jets. Uh, they're not good enough to do it with Hill. And, uh, you know, they, they're coming off long uh, rest too, you know, 10 days rest. The other thing too is like, and, and let me, I didn't say this through text, but I thought this was a, a good point. It's like, you really, Sirianni just schooled uh, Salah. You really don't think that Peyton can school Salah? That's a good point. That makes me a little bit nervous. That's the only thing is the coaching mismatch. I mean, I, I mean, Sirianna think... schooled him. Like, I watched that yeah. game. Like, like Sal and the Jets, and again, it might just be a talent deficiency. I don't want to totally go all in on anti-Robert Sal. Yeah. But, man, they have no answers on defense. Talk about a team that doesn't adjust or can't adjust, like, just like Buffalo against New England. It's, like, by far one of the worst adjusting teams I've ever seen play a game of football in my life. Like, they just had no answers to Philadelphia. It was pathetic. It was strange. Yeah, I mean, Peyton is going to run circles around Salah. Uh, my thought is that the, the Jets have a pretty solid defensive line, but pretty good against the run. So if you can somehow limit Taysom Hill from running uh, and force him to throw the ball, I think that's the advantage there. Now, five and a half, I don't love that number per se. Um, so maybe it's a terrible bet. You know, Maybe I'm, I'm telling the listeners, don't bet the Jets. This is a terrible idea. Don't ever bet the Jets. But here I am holding the ticket, so call me crazy, my friend. You know what? I like it. I mean, it's it's contrarian in yeah. nature. I don't know if necessarily know if people are going to jump to the Jets. And Wilson, I will say, too, really started that game out looking good. And so, you know, if he gets into a groove, you might have, again, a money line ticket. Uh, you know, the spread will cash if the Jets win straight up, obviously. And, and there is a situation where Wilson comes out and he's ripping and roaring. 
Um, but I mean, I would like to think that Marshawn Lattimore, Cam Jordan, and the Saints defenders have more respect for themselves than to get torn up by Josh or by Zach Wilson and the Jets' crappy offense. You certainly would think so, but we shall see. All right, my friend, that's another great episode in the books, number one twenty-one. See everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. And you know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.